It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Podcast on CBS Sports, instant analysis, UFC 246 in the books. Connor, Cowboy, your boy BC, Las Vegas, we're partying. Okay, maybe we're sitting in a hotel room bed, but the Brian Campbell here to break things down in the instant analysis. What a week in Sin City, and the king of the UFC is back on his throne. 40 seconds. That's all it took to finish Donald Cerrone in round one. And the state of combat, like we've been here all friggin' week with interviews, previews, reviews, whatever you got. We had it, and now we got the IA joining me from his homestead in Connecticut. Good Lord, it's Brandon Wise, Brandalorian. Bro, are you feeling what I'm feeling when I injected some of that T-Mobile magic Mystic Mac into my veins. No, I'm not. I'm uh, feeling the cold outside. It is. It has been snowing all day. You've been so lucky enough as to get out of Connecticut for the last four or five days. You're enjoying that warmth down there in Las Vegas, even though I don't think it's actually as warm as I thought no. it would be. No, it's cold. Here. But it's cold. it's cold. But nobody cares about that, Brandon. Okay. <laughs> no, but I, I, I didn't feel it, man. I really, I honestly, I thought the whole. Pres- uh, presentation of tonight was weird. I thought the Connor walkout was muted. I thought the whole fight itself that only lasted 40 seconds was just, yeah, that's what we thought was going to happen. <laughs> so I, I, I'm not really feeling it. Wow. Wow. Downtrodden to say the least here. Uh, it was a show. It was a performance. It was extreme makeover, notorious ed- edition. You want to talk about your biggest brand in pay-per-view history on the MMA side, one of the biggest stars globally being out of the sport more or less for three years, right? Always in the police blotter, boxing, whiskey. He got back to fighting, okay? Did it feel muted compared to a regular Conor fight week? 100%. But the notorious one came back, and Brandon, could you ask? In fact, I'll answer it for you. You can't. You couldn't ask for a better Ending, performance, presentation, no in 40 seconds, we didn't get to get all those questions answered that we hoped. But just from the standpoint of the UFC's bottom line may not be your interest to fight for, massive. Health of the sport, massive. Getting Connor back there active, all kinds of massive. I get it. It's just like, this is what we expected to happen though, right? Like, we didn't learn anything. We just got Connor back in the win column. We got him the get well fight that no other UFC fighter will ever get. And 
now we see what kind of business we can make. That was the only thing about this whole week that it was just like, all right, Cowboy can can talk up this whole game all he wants, so we're going to go have a fight, we're going to blow the roof off this place, and then in five seconds – Everything changes. Yeah, yeah, he folded. I mean, he folded up quick. Um, I'm not going to be here. By the way, we it, we talk about it all the time. Any every fight gets the conspiracy theory birds going. Remember when Connor needed one punch to finish Jose Aldo? My timeline was telling me it was fixed. I did have a journalist, a prominent global journalist, come up to me after the fight, stick his face in really close to my ear, and go, "How about that company, man?" Cowboy Cerrone, not his first rodeo and not ours, end quote. And then he threw in one more. He protected the billions for the company. Brandon, you're not going to go that far, right? You're not going you're not, you're not to go that far. I mean, uh, I didn't see a fix. I just saw Cowboy Cerrone playing down to his worst potential stereotypes at 36 of being, you know, a little shop-worn, little, little chinny, slow starter. You can catch him early. He got caught, bro. Yeah, I mean, that whole ending was just so weird. I don't think I've ever seen that before, and they were talking about it a lot on the broadcast. Like, Connor's, all of Connor's damage in that fight came off of him throwing shoulders. Like, literally just throwing his shoulder into Cowboy's face so that he would be, like, just completely thrown off. And even Cowboy said after the fight, he was like, yeah, once he did that, I, I had no idea what to do because I was just completely thrown off. My equilibrium was off, everything. So well, it's a wrinkle. I, it's a new wrinkle, Brad. I get it, but it's also <laughs> Cowboys' last three fights, man. Like they have not been fun to watch. Well, look, we know when he moves up to the elite level, he's going to lose. And this is now three straight stoppages. But you got to give him credit who it's against, right? Tony Ferguson, Justin Gagey, Conor McGregor. But I mean, we can break down the whole fight, all forty seconds of it. Conor misses. An insanely explosive left cross. He was trying to do, I think, his own Jorge Masvidal impression. Cowboy Ducks, they clinch. But I think you got to give him a lot of credit. Those two little shoulder works landed right at the point of the nose, busted up Cowboy's nose. You mentioned his equilibrium a little bit off. You know when your nose gets busted, you got blood, you've got tears coming down. And that gave Connor the perfect separation to land the head kick. It was the head kick that really finished that fight. That sent Cowboy on Queer Street. A couple more punches took him down. A couple more punches finished the fight. But I don't know, Brandon. I don't see where you can deflate the balloon here. Unless you're a Cowboy fan. Unless you had money on Cowboy. Unless you hate you some Connor. Unless you were just like, look... 40 seconds wasn't enough. I came here for 5, 10, 15 minutes, 25 minutes of action that would answer our questions. From that regard, yes. But we knew, I want to say uh, I knew, because I feel like you were drinking the cowboy juice for a while. But I want to say I knew what this was, right? It was a well-dressed up get well fight in a space where you never see get well fights, right? Elite level UFC. But this was a get well fight. It was the right opponent, the right style, the right setting, all of that. So, yeah, it followed script, but, bro, this was viral as ish. This was brand reviving. Shout out to Conor McGregor. He didn't have this spark against Habib Nurmagomedov. He didn't have the power. He didn't have this type of explosion and intensity. I'm buying, I'm drinking the juice on the idea that Conor is serious again. And should he have done this to Cowboy no matter what? Probably. But in 40 seconds, Brandon Wise, come on, bro. Give the Irishman the respect he deserves. 
First of all, how dare you? I was not drinking the Cowboy Kool-Aid at all this week. I knew what was going to happen in this fight. I was just hoping for a different result. Second of all, if you're going to say that this was the viral-type moment that's going to get him um, started again, I could buy in on that because you would say that that's his own Jorge Masvidal type of thing, right? Where the Ben Askren fight, right, what did we learn? Nothing. It was just a really lucky, quote-unquote lucky knockout that just goes crazy and turns him into a star. If you're telling me that that's what's going to happen after this fight, that everybody's going to be back on the Conor bandwagon, which, by the way, it appears to be that way based on how many celebrities showed out for this fight in the arena and then online were celebrating him after the fight, I get what you're saying with that. Me, personally, with him fighting at 170, I wanted to see him fight for at least a round just to see what his gas tank looks like because we know how notoriously gassed out he gets. So... Yes, I understand what all you're saying, that business is good now. We've got the guy, we've got the, the megastar back in our, in our good graces with 40 second knockout. But again, he's still got so many questions to answer that we just aren't learning yet. All right. All right. You can take the, uh, you can add the, uh, the black lining on my silver cloud here, but, uh, <laughs> uh I, I get what you're saying. Obviously, um, we're going to break down a lot. We're going to break down. What we could have learned, if anything, from the 40 seconds, we're certainly going to talk about what's next, some highlights from the undercard, all that good stuff, a little bit, maybe a review of Fight Week. It was a weird one, and we'll do that after hearing a word from our friends and sponsors. Dig it. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, BCB Dubs. It's the UFC 246 post-game show. Instant analysis style. I'm in Las Vegas, Brandon Wise from the Connecticut Homestead, and B. Wise. This was a weird, lightweight, number one contenders fight, contested at welterweight, so nobody has to cut weight at 170 pounds. But I feel like Conor McGregor's the only one who's like, um, guys, I'm a welterweight. Dana, you can say what you want, I'm actually a welterweight. What'd you learn about Conor the welterweight, if anything? Uh, he looked good at the weight, man. I mean, physically, he looked good. Like, he, we, we had kind of concerns coming in about if he would even make one, if he would be at 170 coming in, or if he would kind of come in light, because Rashad Evans was talking about that earlier in the week, that he thought Connor was going to come in at like 166 or 167 based on how he's looked in the past, but <laughs> he showed up yesterday at the weigh-in right on 170. We were joking about it in the, in the slack room that he probably just, 
ate a whole bunch of food, didn't even have to go to the sauna, and just was like, all right, let me see if I'm going to get to 170 today. He more or less and did that. And he looked great. Yeah, I mean, after the ceremonial he, weight. The, the long hair is a little weird. Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, after the ceremonial weigh-in, he basically admitted, yeah, I, I ate an extra big breakfast. It was, so you, it was a, it seemed like a calculated move to want to come in at 170 so people would say, look, he's legitimately there. This isn't just a blown-up situation. Yeah, and it makes sense, man. Like, it, this is something that we've wanted from fighters for the longest time is to fight at a more natural weight. Don't force yourself to cut when you don't need to. And if he wants to keep fighting on 170, hey, I like it. I am here for Connor to be the guy who's like, you know what? I don't need to keep cutting weight. I can fight strong at 170. I don't need to be these guys that takes out 30 pounds during fight week, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, that that's um, that's the, the, the debate point right now. How comfortable he looked, how comfortable you could see he felt without question at 170. Dana doubled down again on Fridays, not only saying, look, Masvidal's too big, but straight up saying, I think Cowboy's too big. I think all the 170s are too big. Yet what you can at least take from this is that his body looked great. The speed and explosion were there. Brandon, it just wasn't there against Habib, which became a point of a topic of debate after the Ariel Helwani interview on Monday for Connor. The first one that really dug in really, really deep. Every fighter's going to have excuses after a loss. No question. And obviously the foundation is that Habib, you know, is a bad style that could be any version of Connor the way that it happened. But I'm a Connor guy. And in terms of, you know, following his career in, in believing in, in, you know, the magic after a while when he started calling his shots, and the magic wasn't there against Habib. So when he tells Ariel, I was drinking way more than normal, I wasn't listening to anybody, blah, 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 I was sparring heavy without headgear and then taking three days off and drinking and partying, and then you add in the negativity building up into that fight, look, Conor lost no excuses, but I'm telling you that wasn't Conor McGregor. Maybe the excess of his life, maybe the layoff, maybe everything came together. This Felt a lot like that old Conor McGregor, but a 170 bulked up muscular version who's still quick and still explosive. Conor said a lot of things in the past that he would do that we didn't believe. But shockingly enough, he didn't mention Habib's name in the cage after this one. He only talked about Usman. Conor at 170, bro. It's a thing. And there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my thing, though, with, like, the whole Ariel interview is, like, do you feel like anything's really changed with him? Do you really feel like he's a different person than he was before that the Habib fight? Like, I, I get him playing nice this whole week because he kind of needed to, to to help his own PR image. And the whole thing with, with Donald's grandma after the fight, giving her the big hug in the ring and, like, saying thank you to them and the whole team, like, that's great. There was no, there was never going to be animosity with Donald. But when he actually has animosity again with somebody, I feel like those demons are coming back, man. I don't feel like that goes away from somebody like him. Yes, and if he fights Habib next, uh, the demons will be back. But do I see something change? Yeah, I believe it. Not, I don't believe it from a blind Connor Superfan mode. I believe it from, you go through a lot of like scary arrests and stuff like that. That's all your fault and accusations that you say are false. But, you know, that's, damages your name there's got to be a a path of maturity and growth through that 
hearing all hearing the way he talked about how bad the camp was for Habib. Physically, he said he was fine, but I think it's more mentally, Brandon. Okay, I don't think he was in a good place. I think all that gross negativity added to it. But I've seen a different guy this week at all the public press events. Uh, he's not going out of his way to put himself over. It was a million compliments to Cowboy. Yes, in the end, he would still predict a knockout and all of that. But it was so subdued from the guy I've seen against everybody. The guy who makes all the fight uh, fight week press obligations a, a fun event. I, I think that he is changed to a certain degree. And if he can stay in a mode that's happy and healthy emotionally... That's way more important to to me in terms of whether he's going to have a real second phase of his career right now and become a legend all over again, even more than the weight. Because that was not a good version of him heading into the Habib fight. It was nasty, it was gross, and it didn't play out well in the cage for him. You certainly want a guy to be happy. Dana White told me when I said, hey, look, is Connor being all nice and jovial? Is that going to hurt sales? Do you worry about that? He's like, no, that guy could use some sanity in his life. I think I saw a different guy. You can certainly make the argument some of it is is nice PR. He needs that nice PR. But, you know, the comments about needing his family and how they saved him and all that stuff. I don't know if you just make that up. John Jones has made up a lot of stuff. All right? And then, then come back the next day to be nasty. But we'll see, Brandon, because there were so many moments where Connor could have turned back into that, and he didn't this week. So, mm, I, I get it, but I also think that if you get somebody like Kamaru Usman or Jorge Masvidal there, starting to, to like needle at him a lot more, or even Justin Gaethje, if they decide to go that way, because you know Justin Gaethje is just going to start throwing haymakers at him verbally before that fight. I, I just – I don't know. I, I want to see him having to deal with somebody like that for a week in preparation for a major pay-per-view event instead of Donald Cerrone, who we all just know is just like, all right, guys, we're going to go fight, whatever. Like, stop asking me questions, you know? All right. All right. Uh, I'm sorry this ruined your night, Brandon, okay? but uh, get, <laughs> Why get did you – first of all, it didn't ruin my night, jerk. I went 5-0 and oh on our picks tonight. Yeah, That's what's really important here. Uh, we're recording this as the press conference is live, so we'll try to relay anything that drops pops up here. Uh, Britt Okamoto putting out there. He talked to Dana White, and Floyd Mayweather had been blowing him up all night over Instagram. So um, there's a lot of questions. So to have Dana say that Habib is absolutely next if Habib beats Tony, and then to see Connor go the Usman route, you're going to have a power struggle, but I don't see how the UFC doesn't make the Habib fight again if he wins, Brandon. But what if... Connor saying to himself, it's a really bad style matchup too. I don't know, but then again, it's a, it's a worse style matchup to go up to 170 and face Usman, unless he thinks he can be caught easily. Um, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Connor wins that power struggle every time. Like, you can't, you can't just, you can't have your biggest star not pick his own fight. Like, this, there was a reason Donald Cerrone was this fight, that it wasn't somebody else. Because Connor wanted this to be the fight. Like, I, I don't see Connor, if Connor doesn't want to fight Habib next, he doesn't fight Habib next. That's, that's my biggest takeaway from this. Dana White just opened the press conference by saying Connor Habib is the fight to make. Money's going to win out in that in the end. Connor doesn't have the same leverage under the new pay-per-view structure that he once did. I also think to a certain degree, Brandon, he's going to play ball for a while. Play ball, 
with the UFC, play ball in interviews, be humble, all that stuff. Look, even Floyd Mayweather, who really built his star on trash talk when he transformed into that money character, alternated moments of like quasi babyface turns where you're like, oh, wow, is, he, is this real? Is he humble now? You know, and and was able to bounce out of that. Um, what do you got? So I, I'm just thinking, though, in terms of what you're saying there, that that might be interesting given the fact that the disclosed payout for Connor tonight was $3 million, And I don't – I think he made, what, $5 million for the Habib fight or in the Nate Diaz fight? I, I don't remember those off the top yeah, of my head. For, but for, for disclosed money, yeah, but obviously he's – Right, but, I mean, that that also might be them telling Connor something like, hey, you, we know you're worth this, but we're also not going to give you all that you want straight out the gate after – being such a problem for us in the last year, you know. Also, Donald Cerrone did not get the money that he deserved, and I kind of feel bad for him. Well, I mean, I don't see how we can possibly believe that we know what he's getting, though, Brandon. I mean, they they, I, they, I know. they put out 250000 with 250 to win. you got to believe he's getting $5 million here when you add up everything. Pay-per-view points, loyalty points, company man points, and I'm going to guess that Connor, if this pay-per-view does over a million – you got to believe that Connor can make forty million in this fight. I hope. I hope that's what it happened, man. But to see Connor getting three million and Donald getting two hundred or two hundred fifty thousand, like that's just. I feel bad because this was supposed to be Donald's kind of cash out. Because what the hell do you do with Donald now? Well, Donald's going to keep fighting, and Donald's going to go back to not being celebrity uh, cowboy anymore. It's going to be like. I'm gonna fight the Matt, the Mike Perry's and the uh, you know the, those type level of fighters for a while. I don't know if Cowboy ever has a run where he puts together three four wins and we start you know quasi title talk. Uh, I think that's over with. I think it's just fun celebrity fighter who's gonna take old guy fights and then he's gonna take as many in between fights as they'll give him. I hope he does not though go back to four or five times fighting because he's gonna lose a lot of these. He always alternates some losses in there, and at some point it's like how healthy is this? Three straight knockouts at the very elite level here. Of course, you'll give him a window to come back against uh, against lesser guys, but I could see this guy, and you hate saying this out loud, but I could see this guy being a Chuck Liddell type where the UFC eventually has to be like, sorry, bro, that's it. But then again, BJ Penn just fought 18 times in a row, so who knows about that one, Brandon. Uh, but we talked off the top about marketing-wise, financial-wise, how big this is. Could you imagine? Let I me mean, look at the options that the UFC is going to have to go through right, go for right now. Okay, if you make Conor Habib two, you're probably going to break the, the pay per view record again. That'll be your most money. Brett Okamoto just tweeted out that it has to be Conor Masvidal, bro. Conor Masvidal right now would be hot as ish. Oh yeah, he could also fight Usman for the welterweight title and then have an excuse if he loses about the weight and go back down to 55. He can also fight. A number of Diaz brother-like types, or just engaged G, or all that stuff. You just held up the phone to me. Floyd Mayweather put out a graphic with him and McGregor saying Mayweather McGregor 2 in 2020. Reportedly, he's been blowing up Dana White all night. I don't think they do that next, Brandon. I think Dana White, from from interviews I have heard, where he said, "Look, he says I hope Connor doesn't box this year. I want, you know, I obviously want him in the octagon as much as as much as possible." Brandon, he'll be fighting for a UFC title next. I just really think it's what division, and do we consider the BMF a real title? Um, do you think that's the direction they go, Jorge Masvidal? What kind of shot do you actually think he has in getting this fight? I don't think it's next. I think that they're going to keep 
Jorge on the mend for a little bit and try to figure this out because like, like you were just going through the list of different things they can do. This is probably as good as it's ever been to be Dana White and this crew right now, right? Like you have so many options for Con- for not only Connor but for Usman and Habib coming out of this. Like let's say Habib beats T- like, and we're obviously assuming Habib beats Tony in April. You know, like there's just so many good fights to make between 155 and 170 right now that I, I feel like you have to ice Jorge because while he's the hottest brand, you want to see what Connor wants to do and where Connor where you think the most marketing potential is. And I think the one that's the least marketable is Kamaru. I think that's pretty clear, right? Like Kamaru has the least marketable marketability of um, him, Masvidal and Habib. So I think you just have to wait on that. And speaking of that, Dana White, who I'm watching on, on the press conference on mute right now, is very animated talking to reporters. I think he's getting mad about them all asking about uh, what's next for Connor. And he keeps saying that Habib is next and that, he just said, uh, Habib Connor 2 will rival Connor Floyd for being the biggest pay-per-view UFC has ever put yeah, out. It, it would, it would break the record that they, that they did a little over 2 million with Connor Habib 1. Uh, Connor reportedly here in this interview with Ariel Hawani said he wants to return close to the summer at 155 or 170, not sure yet. Um, that's, that's a interesting. Bit, he says before the summer. Okay, before the summer. Okay. I mean, that's different than March, which is what he was saying in the press conference this week. If he rolls through Cerrone, why not come back in March? Well, they just gave Israel Adesanya that slot, so that's why. But, yeah, let's get him back in there. Let's have a three-fight year with Connor. What that, whether that third fight ends up boxing or MMA is going to be, you know. I mean, could you imagine this year? Connor just blew away Cowboy, made big money, did big things. All right, maybe he goes in there against Habib and loses. Or or wins, either or. And then closes the year with a Floyd rematch. You want to talk about, I mean, you, you fixed it. You fixed the, the issue right there. I mean, that's a monster year. And if you substitute any of those names with Manny Pacquiao or Jorge Masvidal, I mean, he has the potential, Brandon, to kind of go back to the run where he was on. What do I mean by that, okay? I mean, if you can go back and kind of alternate wins and losses, and the, lo- and the losses only come against either the super elites or when you're reaching, when you're trying to take some chance, and if he fought Usman for the title, that would eventually be him trying to reach and take that chance. As long as you keep alternating with wins as spectacular and fun as we just saw tonight, you're not going to fall into celebrity pay-per-view mode where they cash you out. You can kind of continue to call your shots. I mean, Connor has been, by daring to be great so often, Brandon, he's had a way to make losses not feel as destructive as they could for someone else because there's always that built-in excuse. I get it. I get it. But just context here is important, man. Like, Donald Cerrone is not even a top 10 welterweight or lightweight right now. He's just another guy who he beat. In 40 seconds. That's fine. He's not facing elite competition yet. Let me see what Connor looks like against elite competition before we start talking about him as another cha- a champion again. I get that that's the reason that he was able to jump the line the first time and that he was able to get those two damn belts, which he never defended, by the way. <sighs> God, he's so frustrating to follow. Like, it's, it really is. Uh, Donald Cerrone will be sent to the hospital per UFC, will not be attending the post-fight press conference. 
Um, wow, what a wild, wild night. Certainly it sparks wild debate whenever you don't get the answers to the questions you had coming in. But let the debate season begin because, Brandon, I think for the next month and a half, it's going to be Habib, it's going to be Habib versus Masvidal in the discussion of who he should fight. Part of that's difficult because, like we talk about, Habib doesn't have a fight uh, until April. And then that fight is no gimme and he could win it and get damaged. Um, you would think you have to wait for Habib to win that fight before the, the drums really get, you know, pounded for it. Although I'm sure Dana will try. But I just wonder if, let's say, Habib wins but gets hurt or needs time off or whatever. Habib historically gets hurt. Let's, let's wake up to this, right? Historically, Habib gets hurt. I wonder if um, that added percentage opens the door for Masvidal. And with that, let's be honest, they're, they're two completely different fights that mean completely different things. I think we could both agree that Habib, because of the rivalry, will, will, will bring more money. But, which one would you actually want more as a fan? They're Habib so or Masvidal? Yeah, they're so different, but in, in such huge ways. I think I lean towards Masvidal just because... I feel like there's more fights out there to make Habib's legacy better. Because I feel like Habib is going for legacy at this point based on how he's been talking about how he's only going to fight a few more times before he actually retires. I feel like Habib has more bigger business that he can handle, especially after he beat Connor in such a destructive way. Like I get all of these like added on things that are, that we're getting now from Connor where it's like, Oh, the camp was bad. Oh, I was drinking too much. I mean, okay, dude, but that's your own fault. You can't, you had control over that result. And what happened? You know, like I feel like Habib will get something like a GSP. I feel like, if this is if this all plays out the way that you you, just, you laid out before, where Connor goes like tonight, Habib went Habib Tony winner and then boxing. What if and what if Habib beats Connor again in April, and then takes on GSP and retires? I could see that. Uh, Dana White will not. Will Brian? You have to understand that's the biggest lottery ticket. We we thought for years the big lottery ticket was. Connor Nate three that they can cash in at any time under any circumstances. You can wait till they're both hella washed and still get it. No, the biggest lottery ticket ever is is Habib Connor, which is why we're already seeing Dana publicly be like, nah, forget all those fights. You gotta do this one next. I just think there's that potential, like we mentioned, if 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 Habib's injury could open the door for something different. But uh Oh, I think he's gonna be in Brooklyn in April. Don't get me wrong. I think Connor is gonna be there hiding around a dolly waiting for Khabib to get off a bus or something, you know? <laughs> uh, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for the theater. The power struggle publicly between Dana and Connor, all this good stuff. Does this rising tide that is Connor McGregor raise all the ships? It does. No, the biases here are in front of you. The, you know, when Connor brings more money, the sport pops up more. Us in the journalism world get more things happen. The money's flowing everybody's got to eat, baby, as Anthony Joshua says. Um, everybody eats more when Connor's there. We all do, but fans also care more, Brandon, and that helps the other pay-per-views around it. It helps everybody, okay? Even if you're a Connor hater, I'm sure you love it more when he's active rather than punching old guys in a bar. Just is what it is, Brandon. Um, so as angry as you are, rightfully so, about not getting your questions answered, there's something to be said for not knowing 
and bringing that right next to into into a next big fight and sort of saying as a fan, well, I still don't know the answer, so I'm just as excited as I was last time. You know, it's something. There's some good suspense out there, Brandon. Okay, I I, I get that, and I'll, I'll just say this though: the people that I talk to, that I'm friends with, who normally will get up for the, as the casuals, so to speak, to me, the people that I talk to did not buy this pay per view tonight. They were just like, "I'll wait for the next one." So I think most people kind of knew going in what to expect from this, and they kind of knew you weren't going to get those answers, and that they were going to wait till the next one to find out. Oh, is Connor back and for real again? That's fair. There's there's a fair level of that, and I mean, look, it's going to be the same narrative. I don't know. I don't want to say it's going to be the same narrative. If he fights Habib, the narrative's completely separate and has to do with them, obviously. It's if he was fighting Masvidal at 170, or obviously Usman is the big question. A legitimate wrestler in a weight class that we deem to be a little bit too big for him, those are the questions he really has to answer. So you're right in that regard. We get nothing answer-wise out of Cowboy, but we do get those few things we talked about. Mentality's back. Fluid at 170. Seemingly no issues there. So, I mean, dude, buckle the hell up. Get ready for this journey. Do you have any remembrance of how fun 2015 and 16 were? I mean, really, he's the dr- he's the party drug that we're all getting the same room for right now. So puff, 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 pass, give, bro. I mean, so, you know, like, come on, let's do this thing. We're talking party drugs? I thought that was the next uh, pay-per-view. Which one's that? Oh, God, you're so washed. John Jones is the next pay-per-view. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, February 8th in Houston. Got it. Okay, yeah. Um <laughs> What did I ask you? I don't remember. Oh, about drugs, yes. Um, I mean, come on, dude. I mean, do you remember what it was like in 2015 and 16? It was wild. Yes, I, I miss it. Yeah, I want that. I want that back in my life. Um, all right. Hey, you know what was not wild? This, um, oh, you got any other Connor thoughts before I can move on here? Uh, I want to see him fight in Ireland again. Before he retires, I want one more fight with him, like, in Ireland. I think that would be the wildest scene we've ever seen. I think we would be more likely to get a, those gimmick fights once he falls out of title contention. You know Probably. I mean? You know, yeah. When it, yeah, then you'll see those. You'll get that, okay? You'll get that, believe me. Um, by the way, my wife had a dream last night that the UFC went to Hawaii, and it was, like, had the potential to be the biggest fight ever, and she got to travel with me out there and whatever, and I was like, Really? What other, what other details do you have? Did you did you see who was in the fight? I mean, what's going on here? I mean, come on. Um, what do you think? Uh, Connor Holloway too, in, in the uh, at the uh, at the Pro Bowl. What do you think? All right, I forget. It. <laughs> okay. right, it was good talking to you. Make um, it happen. Yeah. Co-main event. Hey, Holly Holm. Uh, what the hell happened? The rematch with Rocky Pennington did not deliver action. But at 38 years old, Holly Holm survives and advances. Two of the judges giving her all three rounds. Brandon, the fight was so bad that I actually thought there was a fairly strong argument to make that Rocky Pennington could have got one of those three scorecards. Either way, I ain't clapping for you, Holly Holm. You kind of got lucky. I could barely keep my eyes on the screen, honestly. Like, that's how uninteresting that fight was. Rocky Pennington does not need to be in a main event or co-main event ever again. I don't – like, you can have your, your dis, dislike for the Holly Holm angle of this fight, but, like, Recky Pennington did not show up to fight, even though all the talk was like, oh, this is such a great camp. She's back in shape. She looks great. She's figuring things out. 
Yeah, and now she's ten and eight in her professional MMA career. She had a I mean, horrible strategy. She had a horrible attack. I mean, it was just like pump fake with three punches and then go for the standing clinch. I don't know what she was doing. Yeah, and and to your point, like Holly didn't do anything to really earn that victory either. Like she she controlled the cage and she was able to land some strikes from the outside, but like outside of that, it was just like, okay, Holly, you're an old fighter now. Just kind of coasting along. See, I was most disappointed when Holly basically said afterwards, like, I didn't have – she almost basically said she didn't have a game plan. She just sort of went where the fight went, and it made her look kind of lost and wasting time with that standing clinch the whole time. And I think it's disappointing because this was, I thought, a pivotal fight for her. I don't think there's much left to fight for at 38, yet she she came in insanely – good shape brandon that's the best that's the best shape she's ever been in ever i mean she was ripped she looked 10 years younger at times um and then to kind of put forth such a bland performance like that i mean when when amanda nunes who just head kicked her in the first round by knockout is the champion of two divisions you're not getting another chance anytime soon even though you're still a legitimate brand and you basically put on instead an nganu Derek lewis performance yeah, I mean, it wasn't that bad. I mean, they, they actually threw a few strikes in there. There wasn't, like, ten strikes total between them. But it, I, we had these questions coming in. It's like, what are we doing here? Like, we said after her fight against Nunez, like, just retire. Like, what what do you still have to gain? And I get that she said after the fight that she still thinks and believes that she can be a champion again. It's like, yeah, guys, like... I'd like to see her retire and not have to fall into a, uh, a you know, a, an inevitable stretch where she just takes L's. But, dude, she takes a lot of L's all the time. She, you know, she was 2-5 uh, and five on her last seven coming in. So problem is all those losses are against the true elites. And the thing is, Brandon, she's still she's still pretty high up if you're doing a women's pound for pound list. I mean, that's the truth. She's still pretty high up there. But it yeah. is what it is. Rocky takes a step back. She had nothing. What jumped out from you on this undercard? I mean, how, how fired up were you for Diego Ferrara's ability to just absolutely dominate Anthony Pettis? Ah, man, I thought that was a weird fight. I thought Ferrara's strategy going out there to start was just so different and awkward that Anthony was just confused. Like, I think he even said in his corner in the in the in between rounds, he was like, "Did I win that round? I'm not sure." His, his his leg being up was just so weird to me because Ferrari just kept going towards him with his leg in the air. And, and Anthony was just like, what the hell do I do with that? So him, once he got him to the ground and he took his back, I, I kind of just knew Anthony was done. Like, even though Anthony is such a good, good wrestler and good, good ground specialist, when you get somebody's back like that and his legs are wrapped around, it was just, it was night, yeah, nighttime for him. Dude, it's, it's a t- this has been a tough fall to watch for Anthony Pettis. He's turning 33 next week. And you still see it there. I mean, you know, I did see him lose almost every second of the fight against Wonderboy and then explode with that knockout at welterweight. But you still see those flashes, even in the loss to Nate Diaz. You saw some really fun flashes in there. But he should be so much better than this. Ferreira just had a better game plan. He was tougher. He was smarter. Turned 35 tonight. But he's constantly switching stances. He was a, uh, a maniac on the ground. Anthony Pettis is not re- he's not putting the train back, right? I don't think he's putting it back together, man. It's gonna be it's, it's gonna be so tough. He's a celebrity fighter now. I'm looking at Dana White. Sorry, I got distracted. I just saw Dana White. I'm, 
I'm going to make some reckless speculation that Dana White has had a few cocktails tonight because he is very happy and very animated on my TV right now. I was hanging out with Tom Brady all night. I was watching him. uh, Wow, big-time celebrities out tonight. Tony Robbins out tonight, by the way. Um, Yeah, uh, Nate Diaz tweeting, this shit's all fake. I got a pop from that, by the way, in his response to the the main event. Um, Nice win for Brian Kelleher. He needed it. Missed all of last year with injury. Submitting Ode Osborne, who basically before the fight was like, uh, one day they're going to say, remember that time at UFC 246 when Conor McGregor fought on Osborne's card? Uh, no, they, 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 come on, bro. Come on. You're better than that. They didn't say that. By the way, seeing that Alexa Grasso, Claudia Gadelha fight fall apart, it was tough to see. That would have been a, uh, you know, maybe the second, the fight that I cared about the most, number two in this card. You know what I'm saying? Like that would have been a good one. And Grasso now moving up to, my weight after missing weight by nearly six and a half pounds. Brandon, she wasn't that big, I didn't think, to begin with. But there's nobody at flyweight. Can she contend there? We'll see. I don't know. I, I don't understand how somebody can be that off, though. Like, like, how, like, what's the miscalculation that you made that you're missing weight by five and a half pounds after, like, having a training camp and then going through everything on media day? And just, I that's so frustrating. That's got to be so tough for Gadelia, like, to deal with. And even though she's getting some of her money, like, it's still – that's super frustrating to just not be able to go out and perform. She was in insane shape, too. She's done so much work, as Rashad told us, in Mark Henry's camp, and she talked about it a lot during fight week this week. Yeah, that's a tough setback. But uh, I loved on this show on Friday, Brandon, when she dropped the F word and was like, um, the, duo, the, the boogie woman beef will never go away. And we will fight a third time. I know. Look, I know Boogie yeah. Woman's got another title shot here, but you want to talk about a uh, down the road? I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do that one in Miami. All right. All right. Welcome to Miami, indeed. Right there. Uh, obviously, we buried the lead there on this on what was the second biggest storyline outside of Connor winning Macy Barber's uh, freight train turned into a hype train, Brandon. Wow! Shout out to the 37-year-old happy warrior, Roxanne Matafuri. This was clinical, vicious. You had a, you had a pop for that, right? Roxy's weird. She's on this show. She's way out there. You had a pop for that win. It was impressive. That first round was so surprising. Like she, we kind of always forget about how good she is as a wrestler and a BJJ practitioner because. She just showed, like, she showed it so, it was so evident tonight that she was so much better at it than Macy. Like, Macy, for what she is, she's a stand-up striker, right? Like, she's not well-rounded yet. She's only 21. This is what she does. She goes out there to go knock heads off. And once she got to the ground, Roxanne knew what she was doing. And she just kept moving and getting into position. She finally got to full mountain, top mountain. It was just kind of like, whoa. Macy looks so confused. Those two elbows that just busted the top of her head open made that a really gory, ugly fight, turned her into a car wreck. And then obviously in the second round when she gets touched with the jab and her knee just kind of gives out, it was kind of like, all right, do we really need to like go through the next 10 minutes here? Or can we just say Macy's done? You know, you didn't want to see Macy take one of those early beatings. She's only 21 years old. There's only her fourth UFC fight that sets you back, that changes you, that you'll never be the same. But yet, I kind of felt like she almost 
knowing her style and who she is, would have had a chance at, at a potential finish there. So you need to let her go. But that was a vicious cut that was opened up on her forehead. Good Lord. And fighting through the hurt leg, it's a monster setback in the end. You hope she can be better for it. But I don't know if I was down for her commandeering the microphone, Forrest Griffin style, after Taylor Ortiz died, uh, retired, sorry. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, can Roxy have a moment, please? I mean, but if you're saying that that, that because it's Ro- probably Roxy's final big moment, sure. But, like, we knew what that fight was coming in, and I think Macy knew, too, that the hype was, like, on her to be the next superstar, and she kind of just wanted to be like, this ha- shit happens, you know? Like, yeah. I'll be back. It's it's probably better for her in the long run that, that she lost this. And I think that is because how shallow that division is, She's not ready for Shevchenko. She's not even close to ready. So, right. you know, if she won this fight by knockout, even Dana told Aaron Bronstetter when they did that gambling segment together that, like, Macy's crazy. There's no way he'd be able to keep her away from a title shot this year, even though she's only 21. But uh, it's it's better for her to get the uh, that experience she needs now rather than to lose that in a title bout and, and potentially one side of fashion where it just destroys you emotionally. But uh, at the same time, the, there's got to be feelings of, of disappointment internally even too because you thought Macy was the one and that's a bad loss, Brandon. I mean, she got dominated. Yeah. And, I mean, it counts as a knockdown because it was a jab, but she got knocked down with an injury, you know, against somebody who's not a stand-up striker. Yeah, yeah, tough night at the office for her indeed there, Brandon. Uh, it was shocking. You consider she was a one minus 1,000 favorite in some books, Macy Barber. And, uh, man, too bad she wasn't, you know, you, too bad that wasn't part of some eight-fight parlay, and that was the one that put it over the top. I mean, that's, that's a, <laughs> oh, what a night that would have been. Hey, how'd your, uh, how'd your Albuquerque parlay do this weekend, you know, I buddy? I didn't bet. I didn't bet, okay? I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm a journalist, okay? But number two, uh, <laughs> I would have bet. Rocky Pennington, I would have been, uh, I would have been very upset at that ending with Holly Holm winning. So, uh, fun to watch indeed all the way around. Uh, shout out to Askar Askarov from Dagestan. You remember that brawl with Brandon Marino where they went back and forth and that was a draw. Uh, he takes a decision and a well earned decision over crazy ass mullet wearing Tim Elliott, who Brandon just doesn't care about defense. We'll just get, we'll just straight up eat your ish. And keep coming. He almost turned the uh, the tide there late in the third. But Askar's pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, and hearing more about his backstory this week from Ariel Hawani on the, on the weigh-in show that he's 80% deaf. He can't hear his corner during fights giving him instructions on what he should be doing. He's kind of just winging it out there. That's just insane. And and for him to be this successful, he's undefeated. He's 11-0 and 0 now. <clears throat> and he just... He is a solid fighter. I don't know what level I would put him on yet. Like he's still up and coming. He's not. He's not like my beloved Piotr Jan, but Piotr. he's on the way up, man. Uh, he is. He is indeed. That was a very good win. We know he has the wrestling. Yet the last couple of fights, we kind of saw him be a badass striker, and he had to in this one because Tim Elliott pushed the pace so well. But I saw a lot of good things that you have to love there. Uh, I forgot Drew Dober even existed, and he came out with a uh, with a bang in this one. Seventy seconds to get rid of Nasrat Hakparast. 
Uh, Brandon, that's a hell of a win. Dude, this is a bad night for prospects on the rise. Like, everybody except for Sadiq Youssef, who was supposed to be the, the next hotshot, just took bad L's tonight. Nasrat took a loss, Odie Osborne, and Macy, man. Well, what do you, are you down with what Drew Dober said afterwards? You know, I made a joke. I forgot he existed. I, I obviously know who he is. I'm saying for him to come out there and get a win like that, which is hella impressive, and then be like, I can knock out everyone in the top ten at lightweight, so let's do it. That's the deepest division of all time, Brandon. This guy wants the – Give me that. He wants all the smoke, all right? Put him in there with somebody then. Seriously. Give him a shot. <laughs> all right, we're following this press conference in real time. Um, Dana I can't White, believe Dana's still talking. Dana White said <laughs> – that Conor McGregor did not believe Kamaru Usman's Twitter account got hacked, and that is why he went after him verbally after the fight. Not went after, but he's the only name he mentioned. Uh, if anyone that didn't know, during the fights tonight, Kamaru Usman's Twitter account got badly hacked, and uh, whoever took over it was calling out everyone from Mike Tyson to Conor to everyone and using horrific racist language and uh, and sex talk about members of McGregor's family. So uh, it was bad. But uh, there's no chance that this gets Usman indirectly into a fight with Conor, though, right? Because then, then that's, then that's kind of how you make a fight, right? Hey, man, it's, do we know if somebody got a three-piece Minnesota backstage yet? Like, that might have happened already. Wow. Uh, Clarissa Shields was in the crowd, and Dana White is now, like, real interested in putting her in a UFC fight. Nobody – when they showed her on the big screen, no one knew who she was. I felt bad, Brandon, because then Tyson Fury sitting next to her in a giant furry coat, the, that arena popped. Yeah. I, I mean, th- what did you expect, though? Like, it's a whole bunch of casual MMA fans who have no idea what women's boxing even looks like, and you put her on on screen. Like, that's what's going to happen. Fair enough. Um, wow, 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 wow. The the race on podcast for the next couple months to debate who Connor will fight or should fight. It's starting already, bro. This is, uh, hey, it's back. Business is back. The king is back. All right? You're going to get out to some of these McGregor fights with me? Come on. <laughs> Maybe, man. Maybe. We'll see. It's going to be a long year for me, man. You know this. He shouldn't fight Manny Pacquiao, though. He needs to stop saying that in a boxing match. I mean, Pacquiao would knock him out. Not a Floyd, I stopped you because the referee didn't want you to get hurt. This is like, he would get knocked out. We've never actually seen him get, like, knocked out cold, though. He's got a great so that would be cool. Well, That'd be cool to see. I don't know if it would be cool. I mean, you know, but <laughs> it is it is what it is there. Uh, I was just checking. This is a terrible podcast today. Oh, the best podcast we've ever done, Brandon. Okay, all right. <laughs> But uh, I was lingering to see if we, if anything else big came out of the presser. We're still going to have to wait to hear from Connor. But uh, that's your show, Brandon. That's it. We're reacting to it. I'm fired up. Big finish. Connor owns the night. 40 seconds. Cowboy be gone. And we'll see what happens next. Follow us on Twitter at State of Combat. At maybe Brandon Y 65, right? Right? Yeah, buddy. All right. B. Campbell, CBS in the house, as always. Uh, Brandon, do you want to give these people two words they can uh, stick in their pie hole? Hello washed. Uh, yeah. We're out. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on 
It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.